The legal world is as riven by caste as the most hide-bound outpost in the Hindu Kush. There are the top-dwellers in their office towers, cruising the lush feeding grounds of the high-powered corporate world. These denizens of big law are slow and fat on the proteins of their prey. But I learned long ago that you underestimate their predatory viciousness at your own peril. In the depths of the Great Recession, with their feeding grounds thinned, they were forced to dive lower to satisfy their insatiable hunger, snatching smaller fish from the mouths of second-order predators. And so these lower-level meat-eaters, lesser firms with lesser reputations but no less hunger, plunged even deeper to grab what scraps remained, reducing their fees and taking clients and cases from the jaws of even lesser firms. And so on, and so forth, and so it went. As a lawyer, I was a cheerful bottom-feeder, used to crawling through the muck of society, surviving on what leavings had fallen from the flashing jaws of those above. My practice was a desolate land of bounced checks, lying clients, and lost causes. But it was mine, and within its bounds I could find enough scraps to hammer out a living. Imagine my surprise, then, when amidst this debris of failure that I called home, I sighted in the distance other suited carnivores sifting through the garbage. First one, and then four, and then scores, flashing me abashed smiles before they went back to foraging what before had been exclusively mine. And so it was that, like a Jewish peddler in the Old West, I found myself calling out my wares as I traveled from courtroom to courtroom. Plea agreements, motions to suppress, trials of any stripe, DUIs half price. Let me assure you, begging for work in the criminal courts is not why you lock yourself in the law library for three years and bury yourself in debt. What you're after is a cushy job in some huge law firm with an expense account, a handcrafted suit of the finest New Zealand wool, and a silken-haired secretary named Mimi with hips that knew what they were about. What you're after is everything and a cigar. But there I was, sitting in some random courtroom, hoping to put a pitiable amount of change in my pocket, which meant what I had was squat. Do you have a case before me today, Mr. Carl? said old Judge Winston. Ruddy-faced and arrogant, he had spied me sitting in his courtroom as he scuttled in, sans robe, to speak with his clerk. No, Your Honor. Just here for a hope? Yes, sir. Well, from what I understand, our defendant this afternoon is well represented, so you might try fishing in another pond. Thank you for the advice, sir. And don't look so hungry all the time, said the good judge. It makes my stomach twitch. If it wasn't for the humiliation, I might have laughed along with the rest of those in the courtroom as I slunk out the door. But the humiliation was real, and my feigned chuckle died like a butchered frog in my throat. It is one thing for your career to hit an all-time low. It is quite another for it to become such a public jibe of its own that judges feel free to crack jokes and smarmy assistant district attorneys with their steady government paychecks laugh with impunity. 
I fled Judge Winston's courtroom and slumped red-eyed and desperate in the hallway, wondering about the opportunities for rug salesmen in the city. How about a lovely Berber for your rec room? It is such a sturdy weave. Victor? Victor Carl? Is that you? I pulled myself out of Carpet City and saw a woman calling to me whom I was sure I had never seen before. Dressed in scarlet, she was thin and sharp, with long legs, spiked heels, and a look in her eye that was hard and predatory both. You know the look. You can see it in realtors and exotic dancers on the prowl. And she was flat-out gorgeous. Model gorgeous. If I had seen her before, I would have remembered her absolutely. Yet even as she approached with golden bangles jangling, her sharp chin and raised cheekbones...